Hello, and welcome to the Bloodstream Podcast, a show serving the greater bleeding disorders community brought to you by Believe Limited and Bloodstream Media and made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. I am your patient advocate and host, Patrick James Lynch. Hello, and I am your healthcare advocate, nonprofit nerd, and other host, Amy Board, reminding you to please speak with a healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. On today's show, Amy Board, the nonprofit nerd, and I are joined by our Believe Limited colleague and new Bloodstream podcast chorus, Correspondent, like yeah. ABC News, but it's not, it's Bloodstream. And he's with us, James Maple. Uh, you'll meet him and you'll hear from him. Amy and I will join James in anticipating NHF BDC 2022. BDC means place. Bleeding Disorder Conference. Good job. You can't lead with the acronym, Lynch. You should know that. <laughs> Board's got your back, though. It takes place August 25th through the 27th in Houston, Texas. We'll be there by the time this recording goes live later this week. We'll talk to James about that. Josh Bragg is back on this episode with the latest lesson. Let's talk a segment on suffering that features interviews with community member Dwayne Whitus, as well as with Heather Hogan of Death Differently. There's a name for you. And we also have another interview with Dr. Hani Alsamkari, previously here to talk to us a little bit about thalassemia. But Amy Board, what's he talking about today? Get ready for this. He's going to discuss the second most common bleeding disorder that you know nothing about. That I know nothing about? You know nothing about? I didn't know anything about. And if that means that if we didn't know anything about it, then our listeners didn't either. That means I have to stick around to the end of the episode to hear what Dr. Alsamkari has to say. All right. Well, thank you, Amy, for that tease. And y'all, <laughs> welcome to Bloodstream. Hey, listeners, as always, thank you for joining Patrick and I here on Bloodstream. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Please do it. Just do it on Apple Podcast. Uh. No, do it on Apple Podcasts. She's uh, right about that. Everybody, I had Chipotle for lunch, and so I think this one's going to be, <laughs> this one's going to be. Keep it in. Oh, Keep it in. man. Anyway, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Your Chipotle app. You know, you can't on your Chipotle app, but try. You know? And if you can listen to this on Mailbag your Chipotle. Mailbag at <laughs> Tell us about it, We need to know that. We did not set that up. Episodes on Bloodstream can also be listened to and shared directly from the Bloodstream Media Facebook page. Wow. And as always, if you've got suggestions for topics or guests, or if you have questions for Patrick and me, ping us on social media or email us at mailbagofbloodstreammedia.com. That's also a great way to inquire about casting opportunities. That's true. That's and you know, true. we cast a lot. We listen for patient stories all the time. Literally every time we get to this part, I'm like, that's particularly true right now. <laughs> every single time. All the time. So anyway, uh, just let us know if you are interested in uh, sharing your story at mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com. Listeners, I also do want to remind you that the Bloodstream Podcast is made possible by our presenting sponsor, Takeda. Takeda. Yes, that's right. Takeda. Takeda. Takeda's got this website, bleedingdisorders.com, where you can learn all about Takeda's resources for and commitment to the bleeding disorders community. Takeda believes in a world free of bleeds. Amy Borden? So do I. Oh and are dedicated God. more than ever in their efforts to offer a wide range of programs and support to help patients throughout their treatment journey, wherever on that journey they may be. Wow. You know, I got to change it up once in a while. You can learn more by simply visiting bleedingdisorders.com. One more time, though, it's probably not necessary. Bleedingdisorders.com. And for their founding and ongoing support of the Bloodstream Podcast, I would just like to say thanks, Takeda. Thanks, Takeda. Ah. 
Amy Board, how are you? I am good. Yeah? We're going yeah. to Houston in like a minute and a half. I'm going to Houston tomorrow, everybody. We are recording this on Monday, which is something we normally don't do. We never record. No. We don't do anything on Mondays. No, because... we don't work. We don't eat. We don't pick up the phone. <laughs> we don't return an email. We, just catch we don't up, bathe. You know, you t- typically Mondays are like sacred. No, not, but not recording we're recording days. this on Monday, so I'm going tomorrow. All right. And I'm going to set up the science fair. Y'all, I know this is actually uh, dropping the day of. So if you are in Houston and you're listening to this, please stop by the science fair. We're open from 1145 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time. We're in the exhibit hall. It's phenomenal. Great for all ages, um, but especially for kids and teenagers to learn about the science behind bleeding disorders. We've got great stuff. New modules, clotting cascade. What's the difference between hemophilia B and hemophilia I was like, wait, 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 where is this going? <laughs> I also like that you started with B. I, I know, like that you started with B. Notice that. So I think that's what caught me because I did think I was like, like what? What letter comes after what, that? What's the, what's the one? Hold on now. There's yeah. A and then there's B. Again, Chipotle for lunch, everybody. So the science fair on Friday, that's happening. Yep. That's a thing. That's happening. top of mind. Are you packed? Actually, yes. Wow. Nerdy, because we are leaving right from Houston to vacation. We're going to, we're going hiking in Banff and- um, Where are you going hiking? Banff National Park in uh, Alberta, Canada. Mm -hmm. And- Oh, Keith um, just parked up in the booth there. Canadian Keith, who we never hear from in the booth. He's very excited. You can't tell. And Glacier National Park. So we're going, we're like doing it up. Yeah. So we've had to like pack for multiple- climates. Yes, yes. Did you have to bring extra bags? Were you able to get it all in the amount of bags you wanted to get? No, we have like one extra bag that like has hiking gear and stuff. And like my dad, I'm, you know, cold all the time. Mm. So for my birthday this year, get this everybody, I got like a down Snuggie basically. And it's like a a sleeping bag with armholes. Yes. And like a little hood so I can just sit there by the fire and read my book in a down little sleeping bag like an idiot. Speaking of down sleeping bags with armholes, <laughs> quick story for you. Yes. I was reminded of this in a conversation with somebody yesterday. I haven't thought about this in a decade and I'll keep it quick. When I was first in New York as an actor, yeah. I got a job for uh, Axe, you know, Axe body spray oh, or whatever. Yes. And it went well. It was a good little commercial acting yeah. gig. A couple of weeks later through a different casting office, I got another gig with Axe. And I was like, this is awesome. And I saw on the sheet some of the same names. I was like, I'm going to walk in there and be like, hey, everyone, what's going on, everybody? Yes. And I'm like, here I go. Axe is going to take me yeah. to the promised land. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is going to be great. Yeah. It was a nightmare. <gasps> but what we did on the second time was another guy and I, it was like an Abbott and Costello sort of like straight man color guy in yeah. two giant tubes yeah. as hair follicles <gasps> that had holes cut out the sides. No. And we would do this. And there was a green what? screen behind us. And there was no script. They didn't even have outlines. They would just throw concepts at us and have us improvise while like shampoo is being dripped in and all that. What should have been happening like around a table read was happening while we were in these giant tubes flopping our arms around with a green screen and some foamy crap coming in. And then just being like, now it's as though the hair follicle like fought in a war and has PTSD. You know, like, I think we needed a script. I think this is just wild, chaotic crap that none of you have ever seen because it didn't make the light of day. Oh my God. But this came up organically in a story for the first time in a decade yesterday. And when you just talked about armholes and a down jacket, I was like, I gotta share this stupid axe story. Okay, that's amazing. So now you all know how I wound up doing podcasts because it didn't work out for me <laughs> with the with the folks over at Axe. 
was doomed from the start. Man, what a bummer. That could have been your ticket to the promised uh, land. So we'll see. You know what? It's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah. I'll give him a call this afternoon and see what we can work up. But before <laughs> I do that, we have something else to do because we have with us a very special member of our team here at Believe Limited and our latest bloodstream Correspondent. Correspondent. Love that word. Just like the media professionals also we are. love him. Love him. It's a very fitting word feeling for the person. Mm-hmm. We are joined by none other than Mr. James Maple. He's sitting beside me now. James, welcome yes, to Bloodstream. James. Hello, Bloodstream. <laughs> How are you all? I'm so happy to be here. Uh it's great to have you here. You love been... James Maple. So James is going to be with us at BDC. He, he Amy, and I are, are uh, actually hosting a thing together, one of the sessions. Um, and we wanted to bring him on here so y'all could hear him here first, ahead of that session. And we have some plans for the future of things that James is going to be helping us do here on Bloodstream. But we'll save that for later. James, let's just start with this. You joined Believe at the beginning of this year. Before Believe, what were you doing? What Give us a little bit of your backstory, your interests. Who are you in a minute or two, James Maple? Sure. Uh, to keep this whole Canadian theme going, my name is James Maple. I'm not from Canada, but my oh! last name is. Right? <laughs> Shout out to Keith in the booth for that. <laughs> I come to you all from a completely different world, the world of music, where I was a anchor, TV host, and journalist for the past 12 years, doing a lot of man-on-the-street kind of things, and writing, and hosting, and, and involving myself in as much music as possible. And I recently have joined, well, I guess more than recent now. It's been point. about nine months. Yes. As, as Patrick said, I'm, I'm just a piece of furniture at this point in the office. I'm a very complimentary person. I love him for it. I love him for it. I'm part of the family. I'm part of the family. Yes, you now. are. Like a good couch. Yes. <laughs> a good safe couch. Yes. yes. Uh, I have been with Believe for the past nine months now, and it has been an eye-opening and life-changing experience. I've learned a lot. It's been a bit of a learning curve, I will say. But... <laughs> I went from cease and desist letters to thalassemia, but it's been... Uh, doing great. I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good so far. So I'm very happy to be here and excited to be the new correspondent for the Bloodstream Podcast. Amazing. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. So tell us, like, what's one or two things about the world of bleeding disorders that you've learned in the past eight or nine months? Or like when a normal friend, a normal being they don't work for this company, when somebody outside the world of bleeding disorders is like, what are you doing for work? What is it? Like, how do you describe it? What do you tell them? Yeah, I will say you. that the biggest thing I've learned thus far in working here has been the, the need for uh, patient advocacy. Mm. Um, I know that's a, as a, a big kind of buzzword we use often, but I've yeah. really delved deep into what that means and have figured out a way that I can attribute my best attributes to what you all do so we can make something incredibly, you know, attainable for the regular listener. So patient advocacy has been uh, the forefront of my mind for the past nine months, for sure. Yeah. That's very cool. Did you have moments, Amy, in like the first few months when James was here where you were like remembering your beginnings and like what it was like to first join the team? Have you had any of those experiences? Uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, James and I have a cute story. We had, uh, he was in a meeting with all <laughs> right out of the gate, wasn't it? Like first week or something? Like, I mean, I want to say the second day, I want to say. Yeah. I don't even remember what the meeting was, but I texted him during the meeting. And I'm like, by the way, <laughs> don't worry. I don't know what the majority of these words mean <laughs> anyway. So if you do, if you are worried about what words are, just text me and we'll figure it out. And I told her, I was like, I may not even know how to spell them, but I will audio <laughs> message it to you. What yes. does this word mean, Amy yes. Board? <laughs> and now everyone, James Maple can spell hemophilia in his sleep. Frontwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to do it now, though. I was going to say. Oh, I-, <laughs> <laughs> I read the minutes. He's got it. The spelling is incredible because we've got some 
challenges, as we have discussed here, especially when we get into drug names, James, as we just oh. like, <laughs> one of my favorite things to do here on Bloodstream is pronounce the name of drugs when they uh, <laughs> are first published with their 28 letter long names. Um, we are all going to be in Houston this week for the BDC. And so I want to give us a couple few minutes as a group to chat a bit about things that we are thinking about and looking forward to ahead of that meeting. So let's start right there. Is there anything, and James, I'll, I'll start with you. Is there anything in particular that you are most anticipating or looking forward to? We should also, for the listeners' benefit, you were at the HFA meeting earlier this year. Yes. So you've had an experience of a national yes. bleeding disorders community meeting. So it won't be your first of, of, of that kind. It will be your first BDC what are you most anticipating or looking forward to? I think for for me, I think the the this talk we all have on that Saturday coming up, yeah. the diversity inclusion uh, talk panel is going to be probably my most thrilling experience there. Uh, it's going to be a great experience for me to kind of see the community through the eyes of someone else and also include myself in it in what way I can. And if not that, I definitely think the science fair is going to be my second favorite. Look at Amy the, I so didn't happy. even pay him to say <laughs> the, the The models that I've seen thus far are incredible are incredible. Yeah. So I'm excited to see them in person and play with them and touch them and literally be a kid all over again. So And you'll actually get to meet James at the Science Fair if you guys come. James will be there. Yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the hype man kind of like, "Come over here. <laughs> come dance with me next to this module." Yeah. <laughs> actually, that is legitimately. We haven't talked about it, but it's 100% going to be a job. I'm hype man. <laughs> to James leading a little dance yeah. circle over yeah. there. Like, "Oh, the yeah. microscopes. They got a dance party going by the microscopes over there." Yeah. Um, is there anything about Houston? that you're interested? <laughs> have you been to Houston before? Houston uh, in August. Uh, right, right. Uh, I have never been to Houston. Uh, one thing I know about it, this is bringing my music world into things. Oh, okay. Destiny's Child originated from Houston. Yes. Who's not a fan? Who's yes. not, not a, fan. a fan? So I'm excited to go see uh, their old like stomping grounds and figure, figure out like what the yes. inception of Destiny's Child was there. Yes. So yeah, that's my that's my Houston connection story. And Miss Tina Knowles. Yes. Miss, and you said it right. It's Miss Tina. Yes. Always. You got to put that suffix there. Yes. Or the prefix for rather. sure. I mean, this isn't this type of podcast, but exactly. did you um, see the like the pictures release of uh, Beyonce? She had a uh, party, and uh, Michelle and Kelly were there, and they look so good. Yeah, I did. I did. Those girls look good. <laughs> no complaints on my end at all. Actually, little side story: uh, Miss Tina is a fan of one James Maple. What? Well, yeah, wait, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, I said twelve years now. I know a thing. You know, I know a couple people. I know a couple people. What? <laughs> so I worked in a restaurant many uh, for a couple of years, and she would come in quite often. And it just so happened, I would wait on her and happened again <gasps> by chance and by chance and by chance. And like the fourth or fifth time, she's like, I don't know that that boy. Yeah, I like him. I like James. Is that J- yes. James, I like him. So um, we kind of struck a chord and we became, I don't want to say friends, no. but more, more than strangers, no, no, I'll no, no, say no. that. I believe it. I believe I be- the yeah. energies. I believe that. Yeah. I have a very um, top investigative <laughs> question for you again, Chipotle for lunch. <laughs> Not really. It's fine. Let's break it I hope really you are important. appreciating what's happening. I know. Oh, gosh. Whoever has to edit this. Um, James, what are your favorite hotel in-room toiletries? When you question. enter a hotel room, like, what are you like? Yes, they have this, like a certain product or a certain name. Or, like, I, I can't wait. What is your, that you lose your mind when you see it in your hotel room? Believe it or not, you probably will. A full-length mirror. Oh. Mm. I pride myself on, uh, you know, making sure you look yes. the part. And I feel like— not all hotel rooms have them. Exactly. 
Exactly. And it's incorrect. And and the best is when the full-length mirror kind of folds out to the mirror behind you so you can see the back yes. as well. Yes. Come on now. It doesn't always happen. So, yeah, that's my that's my go-to. Like, you got that? You're getting five stars on my okay. part. Okay. That is a great one. PJL, what's yours? I look for the, I look at the coffee station because oh. I like to know ahead of time, like, what are you equipping me with? What am I going to have to fend for myself okay. on? I need to know about the caffeine situation. Yes. Now, the flaw of my focus there is that even when there is in-room coffee, uh-huh. it's never good. No. No, never. So every time I scout it, I make decisions about yes. it. But then when I actually go to use it, yes. I don't want it. Yeah. So <laughs> as I'm sharing with my friends here, I'm realizing the flaw of my point of focus. Mm. And maybe I should spend more time being like, are there any cool body lotions that I might be able to take with me for the mm. road? But generally, I do gravitate toward the caffeine that I will later dismiss anyway. Mm. How about you, Amy? Mine is very obviously specific. Mine are Aveda toiletries. Okay. And there is sometimes you can go in there and hit the like. <laughs> yeah. Say yeah. it. Go for it. Yeah. Just uh-huh. the mother load right. of hotel toiletries. And I always do a shriek and I always like, oh my God. <laughs> I believe it. And I take all of them and I like steal from the car. Oh, oh love an Aveda toiletry. One of my go-tos is when you leave the hotel room yes. and their housekeeping is standing outside. Yes. Hey, girl. What's yes. up? How are you? Yes. The best. And the give it, and the mom gives you a little, a little couple little things yes. in, in your back. Yes. Yeah. A little extra hand you got, lotions, That's why it pays to say hello wash. to everybody. Mm-hmm. Rosemary and mint. Mm, love it. <laughs> now, is there a travel hack that either one of oh. you have and are excited to implement? Ooh, a travel mm. hack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got them. Yeah, you did. You really did. Thank you, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Well, <laughs> it's been a run. Took six years. Dang it. I got A them. travel hack. A travel hack. Mm. Well, I have one pair of pants that I only wear on planes. Hmm. I, I like that you went there. I have a response, but I want to know <laughs> if James has anything. I don't. Yeah. Uh... They're like travel joggers that have really breathable fabric. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because, I mean, I, I jeans are too heavy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and they're, like, easy to, like, curl up in. So there's no waistband situation. They go, like, all the way up. They're just, like, nice and, <laughs> honestly, yeah. I could, like, cook a baby in there. They're so, like, <laughs> stretchy. On the plane. On the plane. Okay. wow. How long yeah. is that? Okay. But I only wear them on planes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, I, I've been vegetarian for the past seven-ish years, seven, yes. eight years. Yeah. I don't know why. For the longest time, I thought you could not bring food on the plane. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I can't explain it. There's no explanation. Yeah. None uh, at all. Okay. So my hack is packing my little, like, vegetarian rabbit food in my in my suitcase. And uh, and it saves money. It does save for money. For sure. And for you know sure. exactly what you're getting. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah, that would be my is- basic— Travel hack. That is yeah. smart. And I will actually both be wearing specific clothes when I travel for comfort and nothing else. That's yes. something as I've gotten older. I used to be like, oh, I also want to look good on the plane. And yes. now I'm like, unless I'm getting off and going directly to something where I have yes. to be presentational, I want to be comfortable yes. on the plane. And mm-hmm. I don't care about any of the rest of it. And the other thing that I will absolutely be doing is bringing a bunch of my own food. Yeah. For similar reasons. It's yeah. like, I'm on a specific diet. I don't want to have to think about it. I'm not expecting the airport or the plane or the hotels in Houston to be able to accommodate me as well as I want. And therefore, I'm going to bring my own stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious to know about the food in Houston. I feel like it's going to be very, like, barbecue heavy. Which we may yeah. have to kind of, like, circumnavigate yeah. that. You know what? I have no idea. I don't yeah. even know. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out. So, uh, all right. Last, last question about the BDC, and uh, that is this. Is there any burning questions that either of you have about anything to do with the world of bleeding disorders that you hope to be answered at the BDC? Any mm. big burning questions? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing all my friends, all my buds. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be kind of joyous. And yeah. I, to tell you the truth, my little introverted self is a little nervous about it just because oh, yeah. there's going to be so many people and it's going to be a lot, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm in honestly, a similar boat. Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most about about this. I think for me, uh, we were working on a project where I've been like interviewing a lot of people with hemophilia. Mm -hmm. And I've just interviewed a one young lady with hemophilia. Mm. So I'd be curious to know if there's any other uh, women with hemophilia and hearing their perspective. Because the woman I talked to today, she had such an interesting perspective on life Mm -hmm. that is very rarely shared. Mm. So I'd be curious to know if there's any other women um, at BDC who will be there to, you know, celebrate the, the bleeding disorder that they have. And I'd be curious to hear their story as well. So I'll have my ear open for um, those stories or those panel discussions as well while we're there. Awesome. Yeah, there'll definitely be sessions. And then, you know, the science fair has pieces that are dedicated to women with bleeding disorders as well. So in addition to sessions, you may find as people are coming through the science fair, they're hanging out, you know, at mm-hmm. certain modules in front of certain trifolds, strike up conversation. And you might find like that might be another way too to be like, I bet they, they may have something to say. And um, Conversations or dance moves. Or dance <gasps> moves. He does it all, folks. That's it. You know? <laughs> uh, James, thank you for joining us here today. <laughs> thank you for having me. We will have our correspondent with us <laughs> in Houston, and then he'll be so back good. here in the future. Uh, glad y'all got to meet him. We will take a quick break and be right back. Everest. Denali, Elbrus, Aconcagua, Vincent, Karsten's Pyramid, Kilimanjaro. The tallest peaks on each of the seven continents. To many mountain climbers, climbing the seven summits represents a dream, a lifelong goal. Less than 500 people have ever done it. And only one of them has hemophilia. Me. You have a lot of time to reflect when you're on the top of the world. And you collect a lot of stories. It's time to share them and to talk with experts and loved ones about what a journey like this can teach you about yourself and about the world at large. Or at least, about what all of this has taught me. My name is Chris Bombardier. Subscribe to The Final Summit wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this month's Let's Talk segment. Let's Talk is a partnership between Bloodstream Media and Sanofi, and it aims to create an environment where we can have open, honest conversations about mental health in the bleeding disorder community. Let's Talk strives to shed light on the topics that are often invisible and not spoken of in the community and share tips on how to care for your or a loved one's mental health. If you or someone you know has experienced feelings that have impacted your mental health, talk to your healthcare provider and find educational resources at Let's talkmh.com. Sanofi is proud to sponsor this podcast segment because they believe that each of us has a story. Visit shareyourwhy.com to meet the Sanofi core team and hear from them and members of the community about their story and passion for the hemophilia community. Now on to this week's Let's Talk segment.
I've got suffering on the mind. COVID finally got me, and despite being vaccinated and boosted, Courtney and I ended up getting a pretty nasty strain of it. There were full days where the pain in my joints and muscles and bones were so intense that I couldn't sleep for more than 10 minutes at a time. The headaches came after that, the fever-filled hot chills, and the worst part is after taking Paxlovid, I ended up rebounding full force back into being sick for a whole second week. Don't feel too bad for us, though. It came after we made a decision to go to a convention with 100,000 other people and were lackadaisical about masking. And honestly, after what has it been, two years, we were almost convinced that we'd never get it. So we made a decision to go do something fun in a massive crowd, and, well, we ended up suffering for it. Let's talk. This has been the hardest segment to pull together for a bunch of different reasons, not the least of which has been a fog settling on my brain for the past few weeks, an unsettling amount of fatigue and loss of motivation, deep days-long migraines, and of course, the sickness itself. COVID. So this may be a bit of a disjointed segment, but what's nice about Let's Talk is that it's always a place where I can be open and vulnerable and come as I am. So with all that said, let's dive into the concept of how to suffer. When I first outlined this topic, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Comparatively, I haven't suffered much in my life. Looking back, I think I had a pretty average childhood, just the right amount of emergency room visits and splinters. I grew up immune to poison ivy, and I got chickenpox too young to remember. I had it pretty easy all the way through junior year of high school. I played some sports in middle school and high school, a little field hockey and then roller hockey. I loved playing soccer in gym class and volleyball. I wanted to play football for a hot second, but my parents said no, and I'm kind of glad about that. But through all of the extracurricular experimenting, it was skateboarding that became my infatuation. I was not very good at it, but my friends were. We'd build ramps and bring them over to the church parking lot to make our own skate park. At my peak, I could do a varial kickflip, and I could jump five stairs. And sometimes I even landed it, too. But I rolled my ankles constantly. Skateboarding was my connection to my group of friends. It was my main point of exercise, too. Two to three hours every day after school and all weekend long. Skateboarding was my everything. Until a traumatic knee injury at junior prom took the cartilage in my right knee, and along with it, my strength and ability to jump. My school was weird. We had a big pop-punk scene, and so junior prom, quite appropriately, ended up breaking into a mosh pit. And even though I was not in the mosh pit, I was on the sidelines, I still somehow got clobbered by a big dude sliding John Travolta style across the floor on both knees. My leg folded sideways, popping my knee out of its socket with my outer ankle against my hip, hot white pain, and then shock. And when I came back to reality, I was in bed the next morning, trying to piece it all together. When it first happened, I experienced a sadness I hadn't known before then. Self-pity and a sense of loss blanketed over me as I laid there in bed realizing that I couldn't voluntarily straighten my leg anymore. My knee wasn't working, and I knew deep down that I would never visit the skate park again. With my young and stubborn punk rock attitude, it took years to build my knee back up to a truly functioning level. And because of my resistance to physical therapy and doctors in general back then, stupid, my joint has never been the same. Eventually, as an adult, I took up biking and the strength started to come back. But to this day, if I squat too fast to put a leash on my dog, my knee will lock up for a couple of hours. 
Suffering is a state of mind. Suffering is what you let it be. This is Dwayne Whitus from a recording captured at HFA earlier this year. I know people that have, on the universal scale, probably experienced very little what people would consider loss. But to them, it's been a tremendous, horrible burden to bear. And suffering is what you make it. When you talk about loss and grief and all those kind of things, all I can think of is all of those people out there are saying, what are you going to do with this life? And not one of them would say, live less. All of them would say, do more, make good use of your time. So if I sit back and think about it and dwell on it, sure, it could be terrible and horrible, but I don't want to do that. I want to make the best possible use of the life that I have. So suffering kind of gets its own category with perspective and all the things that go with that. After the initial grieving process, life eventually went on. Skateboarding, believe it or not, didn't end up being the only way that I could live my best life. I found theater and did that for a long time. I acted all the way through college. I got a degree in it, actually, and it was very fulfilling. And that eventually led me to filmmaking and photography, and that has become an entire career for me, as well as my greatest passion. I found my way down a path that brought me to living life to its fullest. Camera work is still physically taxing and puts a lot of strain on my bad knee, but throughout that process of suffering and having to navigate where that suffering took me through the darkest days of loss and grieving, I eventually found ways to care for myself, to rebuild my strength and optimism, and to enjoy life beyond that one singular hobby that I most likely would have aged out of anyway. On top of bike riding, I can't even begin to tell you how much yoga has done to strengthen my body and my mind. Sadly, suffering doesn't always lead to healing. Some forms of suffering, especially when connected to the end of life, can be all-encompassing. And sometimes the fear of that suffering can be stronger than the suffering itself. I have a lot of my mom on my brain today. This is the three-year anniversary of her passing, so like, a lot of what I'm going to say is anecdotal, just oh, wow. for today's perspective. This is Carter speaking from Death Differently, a documentary project that works to redefine our perspectives on how life ends. A lot of her fears heading into when she first got diagnosed with a rare form of metastatic breast cancer were around the physical suffering. She was dreading what her body was going to do. This was her second bout with breast cancer. And as it progressed and as her body started breaking down and deteriorating, the fears of suffering that she had about her physical body, like she was in immense pain, her body was failing. And the fears around suffering, even though she was in the midst of that physical suffering that she feared, shifted so that her suffering really was stemming from her relationship that she had with God or whatever perception of God that she had and the questions that she felt she deserved answers to that she was not being given. So even in spite of her fears being realized with physical pain, her suffering shifted to something that she was not expecting. So suffering is a, it's a, it's a beast. <laughs> Mental suffering, that fear of suffering, can sometimes be worse than the suffering itself. But suffering is suffering no matter how you slice it. One thing that consistently gets me through my own struggles, through physical and mental adversity with my knee and my battle through COVID, even with my experiences with life traumas that I've spoken about in earlier segments, it all comes back to talking about it. Sometimes I need to talk to a friend or my wife to just vent and then come up with solutions. 
But then when I get really in the trenches, when I feel like I can't climb out of the mental pit with the pendulum swinging closer and closer to my belly, threatening to slice me open and take me out completely, that is when I know it's time to talk to a licensed professional, a therapist who is trained to help me think differently and grow and navigate the most challenging aspects of life, loss, and how to suffer without getting lost in the process. If you're interested in finding out more but don't know where to start, check out letstalkmh.com and click resources. Thank you to Dwayne and Carter for sharing their stories and to Amy and Patrick for giving me a place to talk about these things. Talking can be so healing. Next episode, Jessica is going to dive deeper into the topic of suffering in her segment, The Well. And as for us, let's talk next month. Thank you, Josh, Dwayne, Heather. Really appreciate, as always, what you bring to the table, uh, Mr. Sterling Bragg. I do, uh, Amy Board, have a question for you. Oh! Do you now know what the second most common bleeding disorder is? <laughs> I do. And I do not? Yes. Do you want to tell do. me? I do. I would love to tell you, but guess what? what? Shocker of all shocker listeners, I can't pronounce it. Oh, okay. That's how this interview, you know what, let's just get into okay. uh, our conversation with Hanny because the first thing I say is, can you pronounce it? Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, there's some bit and I'm like, can you pronounce it again? Because I can't pronounce <laughs> it. But to my credit, the name is ridiculous. Okay. Well, this is exciting. All right. Okay. Here we go. Get ready to live. <laughs> Listeners, hello. I am here with Dr. Hani Alsamkari. Hani, welcome back to Bloodstream. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, um, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of what we're going to discuss because it's crazy. We, You are a—it is the second most common bleeding disorder, which I think is fantastic. And in our community, we don't actually talk about it very much. But you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation because it's nuts. Hereditary— Hemorrhagic. Telagic. Hemorrhagic? Yes. What? Say it again? <laughs> Hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia. And we just say HHT because that's a bit of an outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit of a mouthful. My first question is, what's up with the name? You, you know, the name, it, it says exactly what the disease is. A, a hereditary and <laughs> that it's inherited, hemorrhagic and that it is a bleeding disorder that causes hemorrhage or bleeding, and telangiectasia, it's characterized by these abnormal blood vessel formations, which are called telangiectasias. Well, there you go. My goodness. You know, um... I, I we bo both Patrick and I thought it was fascinating. You followed up on our last interview, like, hey, by the way, um, would love to um, speak about HHT. Um, we both had never heard of it. Tell me a little bit about what you do, what the treatment is like, and how it might be, relate to hemophilia and von Willebrand's disease. Absolutely. So, HHT was first described uh, in the late 1800s, and at the time, there there actually the the physicians that were, were seeing these patients, they didn't realize it was different than hemophilia. So for the first 30 years of, his, of its existence, it was thought to be the same disease as hemophilia oh. until it was, you know, uh, uh, there, there was more, more, a more discerning look and it was recognized that these patients who were having nosebleeds and gastrointestinal bleeding, and while well, they, they clearly had a bleeding propensity, it wasn't the same as hemophilia. And, mm -hmm. um, and three uh, physicians made that distinction, 
uh, Osler, Weber, and Rondeau. Uh, and so HHT is also called Osler, Weber, Rondeau disease as its eponymous name. But basically, you know, when we say this is the second most common hereditary bleeding disorder, it's actually one in 5,000 people, you know, in contrast to say hemophilia A, which is one in 5,000 males. So mm. uh, it's more common than hemophilia, um, but less common than von Willebrand disease. And it is a vascular bleeding disorder. So in unlike hemophilia and von Willebrand disease, where there are blood clotting factors that are deficient, in HHT, the blood clotting factors are normal, but the blood vessels themselves are where the problem is. And so patients develop these abnormal blood vessels throughout their nose, throughout their GI tract. They can also form in the brain, in the lungs, in the liver, and other organs. And wherever they form, they can bleed and cause problems. And so it's a really serious disease for many, many of the patients who have it. I read that uh, most of the time, nosebleeds is what sends a patient to get uh, medical treatment or um, an evaluation, which is fascinating. You know, von Willebrand's disease patients, you know, struggle with nosebleeds as well. Exactly. Um, tell me about the age of diagnosis. Does it happen like hemophilia and BWD where it's in infancy and childhood? What, no, what's that like? And that is part of the problem. So, you know, mm. HHT, unlike hemophilia, uh, HHT is autosomal dominant. So its inheritance is uh, not on the X chromosome, uh, and you only need one abnormal gene to have the disease. So it actually uh, typically affects half of the members of a given family. Uh, you have a coin flip of whether or not you have it, you know, if one of your parents has it. And it, you know, most babies with HHT, most children with HHT, maybe they have nosebleeds slightly more common than commonly than normal. But that's it. And, and most of the time, they don't have issues. Now, there can be serious uh, effects, unfortunately, on babies and children with HHT. But the most common presentation is person in their 30s, 20s and 30s, they're, they're having more and more nosebleeds. They're anemic a lot. Uh, you know, they're, they're sort of chronically anemic. Sometimes maybe they have uh, intermittent, you know, dark stools suggestive of gastrointestinal bleeding. And Interestingly, many patients get misdiagnosed with von Willebrand disease as sort of the first thing that happens uh, because people with type O blood often have relatively low, low von Willebrand factor and lots and lots of patients with HHT, just like the general population have type O blood. So they get misdiagnosed as having a mild form of von Willebrand disease. But the bleeding is really out of proportion to that. And typical treatments for one von Willebrand don't necessarily treat the bleeding as well. And so ultimately they, they, you know, if either they see somebody who recognizes that they, what they really have is HHT and does the, uh, you know, evaluation in the clinic for that, or unfortunately they have some more significant complication of their HHT. They develop a stroke, for example, from embolism across a pulmonary arteriovenous malformation, an abnormal blood vessel formation in the lung or they develop liver problems from the abnormal blood vessels in the liver. So, you know, one study found that the majority of patients with HHT actually are not diagnosed yet. They're, they're out there and they have bad nosebleeds and they have other problems, but they just haven't been, you know, if you don't know, if you don't think about the disease, you can't diagnose it. You know, I was going to ask you that in terms of 
um, some of our patients who have been diagnosed with von Willebrand's disease and then go back and their levels are normal, that that diagnosis uh, a lot of times can be um, complicated and tricky. So if a patient is struggling with diagnosis and thinks it could be VWD or a platelet dysfunction, what would be an indicator that it could be something else like HHT? That's a great question. So especially if the bleeding is out of proportion to the, you know, quote unquote, severity of the reduction in the von Willebrand levels. Uh, If the physician says, you shouldn't be bleeding this much. Why are you bleeding so much? Just, you know, given your levels, there must be something else going on here. If there's any family history, uh, if there's a a strong family history of nosebleeds, certainly, or any family history of very unusual problems with the liver or the heart or brain bleeding, these are all things that would lead you more toward a potential HHT diagnosis. And a lot of patients with HHT can actually develop a dependency on intravenous iron infusions and blood transfusions over the latter half of their life as their bleeding, especially their GI bleeding or gastrointestinal bleeding, gets a lot worse. And I talked to some patients, they say, yeah, my grandmother, she was getting blood every week. No one knew why. You know, uh, it, it's, it's really striking how common this sort of history is when you elicit it, when you, you know, really look into the, look into these things in the family. What is the treatment and what is the research being done? What, what, what are you doing, I would say, um, in terms of uh, treating these patients and finding new potential treatments? Absolutely. So un, unfortunately for patients with HHT right now, there are no FDA approved therapies. Um, and so we're stuck uh, repurposing things, uh, which, you know, there have been some successes and some failures in that realm. You know, we we sometimes treat patients with antifibrinolytic drugs like tranexamic acid, similarly to how they're used in patients with mild hemophilia and von Willebrand disease. But we now are using and really developing and, and investigating disease-modifying drugs. So like I said, HHT is really a disease of the of the blood vessels, and, and there's there's excess signal to the body to grow new blood vessels, so-called angiogenesis. And we are now using medications originally developed to treat cancer, which are uh, called anti-angiogenic drugs. The in, in patients with cancer, the tumors trick the body into growing them a nice blood supply so they can grow. And so a lot of dr- a lot of drugs have been developed to to block this. And while it can work. Sometimes in cancer, repurposing some of these drugs in patients with HHT can actually work really well uh, to, to kind of shut down that signal to grow these blood vessels. And the blood vessels can involute and go away. And if they're not there, they can't bleed. This is something that I work on very uh, directly. Uh, I'm a clinical investigator and a clinical trialist, and I have multiple clinical trials of drugs being repurposed to treat HHT and, and, and thankfully also new drugs being developed to treat HHT in this way. That leads into my next question. Where, uh, you know, where could a patient go, A, to get diagnosed? What is the diagnosis like? What is the testing like? And then, uh, yeah, to tell us a little bit about the clinical trials that are going on across the country. Absolutely. That's, a, that's an excellent question. So there are HHT centers of excellence which are uh, very similar to hemophilia treatment centers, except specifically for HHT. And uh, to be quite frank, uh, hemophilia treatment centers also have people who are expert in, you know, just about every bleeding disorder and should be able to help with with HHT diagnosis. 
Like hemophilia, HHT is a multidisciplinary disease. And just like a hemophilia treatment center needs to have orthopedic specialists and physical therapists and all of, all of those additional specialists, HHT centers have, in addition to hematologists, they have lung doctors who help with the AVMs, arteriovenous malformations in the lungs. They have liver doctors. They have neurologists. They have interventional radiologists. They have ear, nose, and throat specialists. All these people that, that work on all the various different organ systems that are involved and can you know, help both with the diagnosis, which can actually be made uh, with clinical criteria and without genetic testing, and then confirmed on genetic testing, uh, and then uh, direct you to the right place to get treatment. Because, you know, it's just the bleeding in HHT is the, the, main, the main manifestation of this disease, the main cause of uh, reduced quality of life and all sorts of problems. But it's really important to note that these blood vessel malformations in, in organs like the liver and the lung happen in most patients who have HHT, and they can lead to all sorts of other issues. And so it's very, very important to have a specialist for those organs, you know, see the patient and address so that we can prevent complications. We, we can prevent strokes and prevent uh, other problems that can arise from, from those uh, arteriovenous malformations. So HHT Centers of Excellence, you can check the Cure HHT Foundation on their website has a list of these things. Um, uh, so that's curehht.org. And then, um, you know, your hemophilia treatment centers are also, you know, they have hematologists that can really take care of diagnosing and, and oftentimes treating patients with HHT from a hematologic perspective. You mentioned the organization curehht.org. Is that the national organization? Is there anywhere else where listeners can get more information, um, find out where clinical trials are happening, uh, get, yeah, figure out more about it? Absolutely. So, CureHHT is the national organization and really has an international reach as well. And they have partnered uh, with other organizations like NHF, like uh, the CDC, uh, Blood Disorders Division. So, uh, you know, there, for example, I, I uh, was part of a CDC webinar on HHT um, that was also um, uh, helped organize by CureHHT just a few months ago. Um, but CureHHT is going to be a really, I think, the home for a lot of information. And there is information on clinical trials on their website as well. But clinicaltrials.gov is another good place uh, to just search hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia or even just HHT, <laughs> if you can't spell out the whole name, right? Because that can be an issue. <laughs> that is going to be my goal, I think, for the end of the year is to say that, right? I'm not going to even try again today and make fun of myself, but oh my gosh. Oh, no problem. And I, I would just say, you know, as a specialist in bleeding disorders myself and someone who takes care of patients with hemophilia and von Willebrand disease and HHT, you know, there really is a kinship here between patients and, and docs who take who have HHT or take care of HHT and, and those uh, who have and take care of hemophilia and von Willebrand disease. And, you know, the more we can work together, the better we can make things for uh, patients with all bleeding disorders. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us and educating on this topic. That, I mean, we've been in this thing for a while. I feel like we've been in this game for a while and you threw <laughs> us a curveball. We love that. Thank you so much. We'll definitely have you back. My pleasure. Um, and we just really appreciate, yeah, your partnership and of course your spirit. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. All right, listeners, come to Bloodstream for the entertainment. 
leave with the education about Don't hereditary hemorrhagia or HHT. HHT. H- let's just go with HHT. I would love to go with HHT. Second so. most common bleeding disorder, everybody. Pretty wild that I've never heard of this. <laughs> um, also, got to work on those names. I, I don't know. I, I know. What can we do as bloodstream to help know. with the names? You know, what can we do as patient advocates? Mailback at bloodstreammedia.com. This is the biggest problem <laughs> that we need to all rally around. Names that we can say and spell. These names are ridiculous. But we do appreciate Dr. Alsamkari coming on, Love telling us about it. But yeah. It's important to know about. Such a cool so, dude. You know, yeah. For all the fun we're having with it. Uh, appreciate <laughs> your time and for, for teaching us about HHT. All right. We got to like wrap this up because we are going to be heading to Houston pretty soon. And then Amy Board on the flip, we'll have episodes coming in September. Mm-hmm. I think we may have, uh, you might be gone for some. I may be gone for some. We have a few things coming up this fall that we're going to have to, as bloodstream, you know, just get coordinated on. We got plans. We got plans. Got You're plans actually going to hear a phenomenal interview with Lawrence Woolard, who is mm. the host and writer of the Global Hemophilia Report, mm-hmm. um, which will be great. He's all, and he's always the most fun. He's like yeah. one of the most fun. Great. People. High energy, very thoughtful, wonderful yeah. guy. Yeah. Good guest. Borderline ridiculous. How much that we too. Love him. Yeah. And, I thought you were saying he's um, borderline ridiculous, and I was going to agree with you. We also, also love him. I agree on that. Too. Yes. And um, Kaz is going to be back yes. with us to give us an update that on was her cool. mental health journey, and we're so excited about it. Yeah. She, her transparency and openness yes. and articulation of her own experience, yes. and like it's very clear that she writes and she's a pastor. Like it's very clear. Yeah. So appreciative that we have her in our community. So yeah, that'll be coming up in September on the other side of the BDC and Labor Day weekend and all that good stuff. And with that, that is all for this episode. Thank you to Josh, Dwayne, Heather, Dr. Ansamkari. Thank you, James Maple. Thank you to the team here at Bloodstream for everything that you do. Don't forget to subscribe to the Bloodstream podcast wherever you listen and in the places you don't. Share this episode with family, friends, a doctor you don't really like, (laughs) uh, mail carrier is an easy go-to I use. I don't know, if you just see someone on the street and you're like, they look bored, tell them about Bloodstream. Yes. But whatever you do, just please, please, please remember, you, listener, to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have a bleeding disorders or health topic you'd like to hear us discuss more? Or is there an expert or guest that you're just dying to hear from? There is. Want to inquire about storytelling or casting opportunities for Bloodstream Media's podcast or Believe Limited's films? I would love to. Email us okay. at mailbag at bloodstreammedia.com or connect with us on social media. You'll find Bloodstream Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's awesome. It's lit. Or you can follow <laughs> myself for Patrick not James lit. Lynch not. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn because we're on all those and we'd love to hear from you. That is all true, as is this. I am your host, Patrick James Lynch. And I am your other host, Amy Board. And until next time, take self-care of yourself. And bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 